Okay, so your original question was concerning that how the two nostrils are different. Uh, yeah, that's one question. Another question is that uh, uh, when I was uh, having the seven-day holiday, I have lots of freedom, uh, lots of time to practice uh, observing the sensation rich breath. I find that it become I become more accurate to the or become more sensitive to the sensation. But now back to the daily life and back to work, it seems that uh, uh, that uh, I I cannot tell the difference uh, uh, between the left nostril and the right nostril anymore. That sen the sensitivity drops. Yes, Th this is true. Um, that when one has a lot of time um, and the intention to uh, uh, to use that time to the best advantage, um, this is in fact part of the path in the sense that um, as one matures on the path, as the skills build, as you get closer, then the dedication or the eagerness grows. So that, that uh, the beginning student would take that seven days and think about, well, maybe I'll do my meditation like I've always done, or I'll even take a week off from that too. But what you're doing here is at your level of dedication. You're saying, hot dog, now I've got seven days. I've got nothing else to do but to watch what's going on in the sense of the Anapanasati. And so uh, with that, we actually do become very sensitive to the breath. And then later when you go back to work, you can recognize, oh, now I'm not as sensitive as I was then. And that kind of brings back a little bit of longing for, wow, wouldn't it be nice if I had you know, more days off so that I could spend more time in the here now watching what the body was doing rather than having to spend my time doing things that I don't want to do. All right. So that's part of it, except that. As I was about to say, the Satipatthana is the object of um, Anapanasati, that the whole point of Anapanasati is to practice the Satipatthana. But the Satipatthana itself then has the seven factors of enlightenment as its object. So we practice Anapanasati for the fulfillment of the, uh, the uh, four fact, uh, foundations of mindfulness, and that we practice those for the fulfillment of the seven factors of enlightenment, right? And we'll see how all of that fits together. But right now I want to look at um, the issue of that if you do have seven days, that we don't want to spend all of the seven days doing only a little bit or only part of Anapanasati, 
um, with uh, just watching the breath itself, because that's staying at kind of step one and step two, which is, is good to spend time there. But the whole practice is also to be aware of the whole body. Step three is just to take it away from the breath and begin to experience the whole body in the sense of waking the body up, but also in the sense of being in this present moment, occupying the physical space within your environment, but in the occupation of that space, you're actually fitting into your environment and you're being in the present moment in the body here now experiencing the results of all the touches and all the feelings that the body experiences while sitting here. The touch of the cloth of the shirt. You can feel the collar of the of the t-shirt that, that is around your neck. You can feel the earbuds that you have. You can feel the little dentations on the nose with those glasses. You can feel how the, the glasses hook over the ears. There's a lot of things that we can begin to examine and begin to wake up all over the body. This is, in fact, oh, as I'm pointing out, is actually what Goenka's method does when it's done in a really organized way. Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa was really big on the, on the natural method. And it's funny that the various books that he t uh, that have been done uh, through by and of his talks um, is generally done in the organized way, but the actual practice is more of the natural way of doing it. And in that natural sense, that means that we actually are fluid or move between the body, the feelings, the mind, and the mind's objects. That within actually just one mind moment, from one to the next to the next, and not spending much time on one. But one thing that we want to make sure is, is that on every in-breath, we're going to spend a, a few mind moments on noticing that this is a long, deep in-breath. That's the sati, is to note that this is a long, deep in-breath. And then to note the long, deep out-breath and along with that, you might be able to note that, in fact, the nostrils are different right now, that the left is better than the right. And sometimes you'll notice that the right is better than the left. But there's a whole lot more to notice with the body also. That he gets, uh, <laughs> what they would say, a little bit complicated. There's a whole lot of stuff to do that the Satipatthana is actually um, um, your whole existence. And the Buddha now is expecting you to develop the skill to examine your entire existence in great detail within one in-breath and out-breath. So we got to be pretty sharp about being able to move around and see what's going on, to be able to notice what we're feeling. Some students can notice it fine. They'll bring up anxiety and they talk about it. That's what they experience. That's what you get a hold of. And here we're talking about, and a lot of other students will talk about breathing, especially associated with the breathing of the nostrils and the way that that works. But the real work of breathing is down here. This is where we can also pay a lot of attention. But surprisingly enough, this is also the area where 
blood naturally collects in the body, which means that if there's any impurities like adrenaline or whatever, it'll collect there, and we often will feel anxiety and tension right in this area where we're breathing. So if we can breathe in and out with that, we can get that stuff start to move around and uh, bring it to the lungs. We can breathe that out. That's why we want the long in-breath and out-breath is to make sure that we are taking care of the whole body and also beginning to take care of these feelings that are associated with the body, knowing also the thoughts are associated with the body. So being able to change the mind's attitude from kind of a dullness or just watching the breath is what a lot of people think in meditation that they're just about, that's the only thing to do. And they miss out on that key ingredient that is part of one's right effort, not only just taking deep breaths and continue to breathe deeply, even though the body kind of wants to go back to natural breathing. We have to put in the effort to keep breathing well. But the other one is that gladdening of the mind or turning the mind around, changing the mind, gladdening the mind, uh, supporting the mind, uh, giving the mind um, joy. And that also brings up the feelings in, the feelings of sukha. That mostly we spend our time in feelings that are associated with the feelings of the instincts. The instincts is normally associated with fear and self-preservation and uh, materialism that wants us to own things so that we can feel secure with them and all of that. So it's not merely the avoidance of bad feelings. It's also to practice these good feelings that we're capable of, but we don't have very often, that we want the full range. And this is interesting because it's actually built right into Anapanasati. The Vedana that is there is sukha and pity, joy, satisfaction. That's very interesting. Think about it for a second. Very interesting because in most languages um, that Vedana uh, has a negative connotation. Even in the Paticca Samupada, that ignorant feelings we've talked about, um, that if I like it, that will lead to I want it. And that leads to a sense of incompleteness or a feeling of lacking. Okay, and the same thing is with feelings um, of ill will like an itch. We, we want to scratch it. We want to get rid of it. We want to change it. And um, interesting, when people scratch, oftentimes by scratching it, they make it worse and they disrupt the skin around it with their fingernails. And so what they do then is that they don't like that feeling that you're doing with the scratchings. And so they scratch harder. <laughs> it's really crazy like that. They'll be trying to get rid of it. Um, and so what we want to do is to also cultivate this other side of the feelings, the feelings that are free from dukkha. The sukha is exactly opposite of dukkha. And this is the feeling that, so in that regard of just noticing uh, that one nostril is more open, the air passage is more open, then you can actually say, to yourself, 
wow, what a good nostril this is right now. It's really doing its good job. And let's nurture the other nostril. It needs a little help. But we can do this by gladdening the mind and understanding that we can really do this. Uh, to develop the Eightfold Noble Path is actually part of this Anapanasati practice, is to develop those skills. And yet, <clears throat> because of the way it's taught, and because of the ways that these uh, that the teachers who are teaching it now this way, that's the way that they were taught. The danger of the organized method is, is that they will spend too much time on the early steps and not then have either the time or something happens in an event or whatever, and then, then they glass over. Um, that happens in, uh, <clears throat> in classes all the time, uh, especially math classes. If the students get bogged down on one problem, They'll spend way too much class time on that, and then they won't even get to the good part of the uh, the chapter. We get bogged down on the early part. So I'm I'm warning I'm warning you to make sure that you don't get too bogged down on the breath. And I know that that sounds funny because I've been teaching Anapanasati to the students for so long. You got to be mindful of the breath, but we're using the breath as an anchor. So that each in-breath, we note that in-breath as a long in-breath. And each out-breath, we note that it's a long out-breath. And then we can note the nostrils are different. And then we can note the rising. That, in fact, one of the techniques that is used in, uh, in Anapanasati is what is called chasing the breath or following the breath. And what we mean by that is, is that as we're taking in that deep breath, we actually do start with the nostrils. Checking them out is one different than the other. And then we begin to put our attention for a short period of time, just a few mind moments, in the back of the throat. That area where um, from the air passage, it turns downwards to go down into the, uh, so there's an area of the throat and it's at that back of the throat that's the closest part of the brain to the uh, amygdala. And the amygdala is the source of, um, of, of fears and dangers and things like that. So paying a bit of attention to the air, the brush of the air, because most people can't, can't uh, detect it, but spending a little bit of time in the back of the throat so that you can experience the touch of the air in the back of the throat, which is still high in the head. And then you go uh, down into the neck and the throat area here and, and feel it, because that's where the air separates uh, so, so that there's kind of a valve in there that when you're eating, it goes into the stomach. And, and the food's not supposed to go into the lungs. If the food, by mistake, goes into the lungs, that's what in English we call choking. And so you got to get that food back out of the uh, air passage so that you can breathe. So 
now we're beginning to say, well, wait a minute, there's a whole lot of happening in the body. And if we chase the breath, we can feel it from the nose tip into the throat, down into the lungs. So that by the end of the in-breath, you're kind of at the bottom and you feel all of the expansion. But at the same time, when you're breathing a full deep in-breath, the shoulders will rise naturally. And so there's a lot going on with this breath body and examining the breath body and all of his uh, things, both internally and externally. That's another point that we have to understand is that we, we want to experience the body breathing both inside and outside. So this chasing or following the breath is actually working with the inside of the body. Going in the body with the breath down into the lungs with the breath. And so we start experiencing the body from the inside. At the same time, we can feel the touch of the cloth because the body is moving in and out with the diaphragm and the, uh, the rib cage moving and all of that. You can feel all of that because the, the, uh, it has a slight rubbing, just a little bit of rubbing all over the body with the shirt that you're wearing. So now you can begin to experience the whole body of breath on the outside as well. You can feel the back part of the, uh, the rib cage move as you're breathing in and breathing out. And one of the things that we want to keep noting with this also as we're watching it is how good it is to actually be able to breathe. That this is life itself. My, how marvelous I can take this next breath. If you don't think this next breath is going to be marvelous, then wait until it is. You know, like five minutes or ten minutes. And when you really think that this is going to be a delightful breath, that you really like it when it comes in, then take an in-breath. Maybe not five minutes, maybe just five seconds. But we wait a while, we let it go out and we empty the lungs, and then we wait. And then we take that in-breath, and when that in-breath comes, my, how nice it is. Keeping me alive. Life itself. And we begin to relish that. We begin to notice how really nice this thing is called breathing. It's quite marvelous. Uh, I'm curious, uh, uh, you have kind of this feeling of marvelous because you can feel the richness of the sensation of the breath. For mm -hmm. me, I think uh, when you feel like there's so much sensation raised the breath, you can have this sense of like awe or something, or you feel like the breath is doing itself, you can have this feeling. But usually, uh, I don't have this, this kind of feeling. but it's to be cultivated. It's to be cultivated. That's part of the cultivation of the satisfaction. Is to become, is to cultivate being really satisfied with this breath. Cult, not that just there it is and so what and ho-hum because there it is, isn't that marvelous, is, is the reality of it. Because if you stop breathing, you will have all kinds of feelings and sensations. 
that will grow into a desperation, a panic, a complete fear, loss of consciousness. I mean, things can go really south really in a hurry if you don't breathe. Do you think uh, curiosity is kind of sukha? Uh, because at, at, in, in the first or in the beginning of the holiday, uh, I think uh, the mind feel like, okay, I feel nothing different. So it's kind of feeling bored. Then, then suddenly uh, I'm, I'm curious because I noticed that uh, the left nostril, uh, not, right, right nostril, they are different in terms of the breathing. So uh, I want to know that when there's a switch. Usually, when the, uh, one nostril is blocked, uh, then there's then another another then this nostril become open. So I want I want to catch this process of transition from one nostril to another. Then the mind become interested in this process. <laughs> okay. Well, like we first started talking before we turned the video on, that how your head is nodding. Right now, do you recognize that your that your head is is tilting strongly? That you're not your head is not at equal balance. Now it's a little bit more equal, but it's still leaning. Let's see if I turn it over. Uh, yeah, you're leaning to my left, which is your right. Your head is over like this, and that will have a slight gravitational distinction of pulling stuff around. So if you if you know that your head is straight and you know whether it's straight or not, because you don't have to look in the mirror to see if your head is straight. You could feel that. That's the proprioceptic system. But we can feel it only because we notice it. So noticing that the head is up straight is different then not noticing it, having it laying over to the side for a little while, and then the nostrils will, one will clog and the other one will open, and then we're nodding in the other direction, and then one, the other nostril will open and the other one will close. This is part of what's going on. And, you, and I'm just saying that as a possibility, because there is always cause and effect. There is always a cause and an effect. It could be the way, in fact, that you could be trying to clear the nostrils, that you can do that by putting the tongue at the roof of the mouth and pull. But that can be done um, almost un unconsciously, and also it can be done without the strength of doing it, when you, uh, because when you're doing it intentionally, you expect to get something out of it. If you're doing it unconsciously, then you're just doing it as a reaction to that stuff in there. So what I'm inviting you to do is start looking for the causes. Start looking for what's what's going on. Um, and notice that there's no need to stay in one particular area that we need to do a general investigation. A general investigation of the body, a general investigation of the feelings, and a general uh, investigation of the mind, noticing that 
part of the intention is to gladden the mind, to cheer the mind up, to brighten it. To let it become satisfied, to come out of our dukkha, out of our restlessness and our home home, and begin to enjoy each breath. To delight, I to have take one, joy. Uh, I have a question about the first part. You said uh, to invest in the cause and effect. Uh, do you think this reasoning is correct or not? When I was uh, taking the 10, 10 day uh, retreat at uh, Swamok, mm -hmm. it seemed required you to develop enough sen sensitivity. Uh, what I understand that. Uh, for example, you, you just give an example of that when your head tilted towards another side, you, you can feel the, the quality of one nostril mm -hmm. become different. But for me, it's, it, it's very difficult to detect this kind of subtle difference. So I think uh, what is the lesson offered, offered at uh, Swamuk that uh, uh, encourage you to develop enough sensitivity. For example, to a degree even that uh, you can feel some light when you wear your eye closed. Because without this sensitivity, you, you it's difficult for you to find the cause and effect because you don't know what's happening. Yes. And that's why the sati is needed to keep looking, to keep looking, to keep remembering or keep reminding yourself to pay attention, to keep looking at all of the causes and effects and that this will develop the skill. If you say, oh, it's hard and I can't do it yet, then that's not the right attitude. The right attitude is, Aha, I see that and I see this. Oh, there that goes. OK, so um, uh, Play, almost do it playfully as if a child rather than a school assignment that you've got to get all of this work done. Look at it from the fact that now you've got a new toy to play with. An investigation in that regard. An investigation is to really learn your the toy that you had all along. You just didn't know that it was a toy to play with this nostril thing and this uh, breathing thing and this being alive in the present moment kind of stuff. That we kind of take the body and the feelings and everything for granted because we spend all of our time thinking about stuff that's in the past or in the future or work has to be done or whatnot. And this is an invitation to come and be here now. Be with what really is. Be here with what you're what's happening inside your uh, your mind and, and treat it like a toy to play with so that you can investigate it. Um, experiment with it. This is the way of looking and that uh, as you do, those skills will grow so that you can tell some of the causes and some of the effects. That's what I'm inviting you to do. I'm, when I'm saying all of that, I'm not saying don't. I'm not saying to compare with what you're doing now with what I'm inviting you to look at. I'm inviting you instead to not compare, 
but to go play with it. Go experiment with it. Yeah, it feels like uh, you need some kind of, uh, how to say that? I mean, uh, when you are become interested in something, you, you notice more things, you, you become more noticed, uh, you become, you notice more things and you become more interesting. This kind of positive feedback loop, mm, it, it, it's like, you know, when, when the mind finds something interesting, he wants to uh, take a do, uh, take a deeper investigation. Then he find more things interesting. It's kind of uh, difficult to stop this kind of positive feedback loop. <laughs> well, this is why I'm inviting you to keep track uh, or uh, occasionally remind yourself with this sati that it's the entire satipatthana that we're looking for. Sometimes we'll spend more time on one thing than another. Um, one time we'll spend more uh, time on gladdening the mind. We spend a lot of time on gladdening the mind. And another time we'll uh, spend time developing the feeling of sukha. Another time we'll feel uh, developing the attitude. The winner's attitude, I can do this, this is really good stuff, okay. And so we spend uh, various points of time within there, but um, as we gain uh, really, really high quality skills, then we can do many of those things within one breath. We can gladden the mind and feel the sukha and feel the power of the, uh, the path uh, and the success of it, we can relax the body, feel the sensations of the body, and have all of those clouds of thoughts just drift away. Everything is clear and bright, okay? This can happen very quickly as a skill to be developed. But it is also developed like playing with a toy. You keep playing with it, or like, that's why they call it playing the piano. In the, in the beginning, it doesn't feel like play at all. It feels like practice. It feels like work. And the reason for that is because the student is, uh, is um, paying more attention to uh, being critical of what he's doing wrong and not paying attention to what he's doing right. And so we have to make a kind of a frame of, uh, of reference adjustment to start looking at everything is okay, everything, I'm doing it right, this is great, I can actually play the piano, even though for someone else it may sound like noise, to me, I like it, and I'm playing it. Okay, so this is the way that we begin to, uh, to go in this new direction. This new direction is the direction of playfulness that is not critical or not expecting or not expecting some result or comparing ourselves to some instruction that's given. In a, in a word, we lighten up. In a word, we can say you're already enlightened. Just enjoy the fact that you're enlightened rather than trying to get enlightened so that you can enjoy it, enjoy it now. If you enjoy it enough, 
then you are enlightened. <laughs> so practice enjoyment. Now, uh, I think uh, for them, uh, uh, if I, I'm taking a break uh, after working for one hour or so, I'll make you a time, that time to make a, to enjoy that break. No, it feels good. But when you're working, it seems that you're occupied. It's it's like uh, if you like you are you're focusing on the work you want to do, so you will ignore the sensation really the breath or the body. That's exactly true. I would say that there are um Let's introduce it from the perspective of time structuring. There are many ways of time structuring. And one of them would be work or activity, and another one would be entertainment. But if you think about it, both work or activity like a sport or um, an entertainment like just merely watching television, all three of those things have the quality of taking our mind away from our troubles. So that while I'm watching that man on television and all of his silly troubles, I'm not thinking about my troubles. But if he does something in that television show that reminds me of my troubles, now I'm not going to be watching the television. I'm going to be watching my troubles again. Okay, so this is how we go. We take these work, and so it work. Because the mind is focused on the work, it's not free to roam back into the jungle or back into the wilderness or go back home where it normally goes. Another example of that is, is that there are some things that we can do that's extremely wholesome, extremely valuable. And that I would say that, in fact, having a Dhamma talk like this is extremely wholesome, extremely valuable, and keeps the mind focused. By doing that, by focusing on something wholesome, the hindrances of the mind are out. Well, guess what? Generally, the hindrances of the mind are out when we're in an activity because our our work, when we're working, we're not hindered from that work by our own problems that, in fact, if we start worrying about our problems at home while we're at work, that will hinder us from being able to do the work. And so we know we're not supposed to be hindered by all of that stuff. We're supposed to be here and do the work or that we do the sport or the entertainment or the activity or whatever to get our minds off of it. Well, one way of getting our minds off of our trouble is to put the mind on the Dhamma. That can be on the Dhamma of a, um, a, uh, a YouTube, or reading a book, or mulling over and thinking about the Dhamma while we're sitting there watching the breath. So that would be something that you can say is, is that we're actually wanting to look at something that is wholesome rather than neutral. So the work at, at, at work or the sport or the entertainment 
are kind of neutral, and it's also quite possible for the mind to go into hindrances or go into its troubled state, even though we're trying to escape that by going into this entertainment or this activity or this work that we're doing to keep us out of our trouble. Well, guess what? When people sit down to meditate, if they don't have an actual activity to work with, like watching the breath or something, the mind being unoccupied like that is naturally going to go into the hindrances. In fact, in Christianity, they have the saying that an idle mind is the devil's workshop. And so we want to have the mind doing something And one of the qualities of Anapanasati is to give it this new job of watching the breath and watching the body and gladdening the mind so that the mind is not idle and ready to fall into hindrances that, in fact, we're going to be right there on guard to make sure that not even one or two thought moments spend much time in in hindrances and pop, we come right back to the present moment and be here now. This is our... Um, activity, as it were. This is what we want to engage and occupy the mind with, is the Satipatthana. So, now we have these possibilities. We can put the mind into... There's an additional one that I'll go ahead and add in, and that is ritual. We will do ritualized behaviors, like greetings and marriages and ceremonies. There's a lot of ritualized behavior in... uh, um, Uh, And in fact, you could go so far as to say many people will drive their car in a ritualized, automated way. So that's one way of time structuring is ritual. Then activities and work and entertainment. And then what we're talking about, this be here now quality or this, I would go so far as to use the word like Eric Byrne does, of intimacy. Become intimate with yourself in the sense of being really close by, be here now with yourself in this moment. All that's going on and that that's the only activity that we give ourselves to do. These other things like um, rituals and um, uh, work and and activities and uh, entertainment is now going to be spending more and more time in intimacy. And if we don't do it with one of those things, then naturally the idle mind is just going to go back into the same old habits that it's always been in. And you'd be surprised that most people spend so much of their day in in that idle time when the mind is down and it's in hindrance. Okay, so now you can see that You're exactly right. I agree with you 100% about the work. Can you bring that same kind of effort or dedication to being here now in your meditation? Yeah, I think if you give the mind enough time, naturally he wanted to choose, you know, the state of not uh, non-suffering. of course, it's better, you know, to enjoy this present moment instead of getting distracted by the worries or concerns. Okay. All right. So let's look at the word nurture as opposed to critical, because most people think that good is is the nurturing, or I like it. 
but in fact, I like that I don't like it, is part of the critical nature. What we're looking at right now is everything is okay. Everything is all right. What we're doing right now is absolutely fine. There's really no place to go and nothing to do. And the grass grows, and that's not even my job. Grass grows by itself. We're just here to enjoy. We're no longer on stage. We're here to enjoy the reality that presents itself into our input systems. And we just be here with it in a joyful way. Okay, not in a liking I want it way, but in the fact that you've already got it and here it is and relish it. Hold to this. This would be what the Buddha would call a worthy or a wholesome attachment. To attach to the present moment, to be here now and to really like it, really relish it, hold and hold on to it. Yes, uh, sometimes you can have such thoughts that, okay, you, you are in the now, why not just enjoy it? You know, learn to enjoy this moment. Then some kind, then it just happen automatically, like uh, you become enjoy more of this moment. Mm-hmm. And I, I can tell that it's kind of hard for you to allow yourself to feel that joy. It is almost uh, a strange or foreign feeling to you. Almost as if you're afraid to feel joy. Or as if you have to get somebody's or something's permission to be really joyful. I don't know if there's some kind of thing stopping me from enjoying it. Sometimes you feel like uh, you think you need to do something, then, okay, I, I, I'm going back to do the thing I needed to do now, so I'll stop now. I'm not sure if this kind of thoughts. Okay, well, let's take that and build on it. One of the ways, in, in fact, there's an old old joke, a meditation joke. But it's based upon the fact that when people who are doing mechanical things that they're not used to, especially children, that they will do or use excess body movements. In, in a way, of one of them is, is that when, when we're trying to turn a wrench, instead of just turning the wrench, we'll turn our body, we'll turn the head, some people will actually put their tongue in the corner of their mouth like this. Okay. And um, the old joke then is, is that the reason that this uh, person who's trying to do this job that he doesn't know how to do, um, the reason of his problem is because he's not holding his mouth right. Right? Because he's even holding his mouth in the sense of being in a struggle. He's working at it. He's trying to get this thing done and he doesn't know how to do it. And he, he, maybe he doesn't have the force or he doesn't know 
what right tools or whatever it is, but it's just not successful. Okay. But in the meditation hall, it's actually the same thing. And the, and the, um, uh, the meditation student comes to the old master and says, Master, something's not right. I'm not getting it. I'm watching the breath and it doesn't mean anything to me. And the old master says, ah, that's because you're not holding your mouth right. And the student says, what do you mean? And he says, you have to smile. The Buddha always smiled. You got to smile. And so that's part of it, that that uh, uh, with Anapanasati, uh, when you're going around checking the body, check to see, are you smiling? Do you have a smile? Because that'll help you know if you're smiling that, yeah, you are enjoying it. And if you're not smiling, then why not? <laughs> and then, in fact, they're linked in both directions. In the sense of when we have pleasure, uh, we smile. But if we smile, we begin to also have that feeling of pleasure. Yes, I had a meditation, but I forgot who said uh, you need even to de- deliberately smile mm-hmm. so you can generate this pleasant feeling. Yes, it's a well-known old technique. It's a well-known old Buddhist technique to smile. That smile will really help. If you can remember to smile on the ins- on the outside with your lips, you can also remember to smile on the inside. And so with every breath, you have an opportunity to smile. Say, wow, this is a nice breath. This is, everything's okay. I got just all I need. Don't need a thing. And so we, be, we get into um, the routine or the rhythm of feeling satisfied. There you go. I like it. I see it. <laughs> Okay, I, I think I go got something to try for yes. the following weeks. All right. Good. Yes. You keep throwing that. You're getting good at it already. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's leave that here and you go try that. You go try okay. incorporating all of the Satipatthana, including the smile. And get yourself into feeling good. That this is a practice of Vedana. We have to clean the mind out. We have to clean out the feelings. We have to clean out the body. Everything gets cleaned up. Put a nice smile on it. Okay. I have a try. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll see Thank you. Thank you. Me too. Bye-bye. <laughs>